Good morning. Um, good morning to the Surge Network. I am currently here with Jennifer Chan. Jennifer is uh, joining us from New York City, so all the way across the country. Uh, and Jennifer works with one of our kind of partner networks, um, which is Redeemer City to City. Uh, they are a church planting network um, operating out of New York, but really operating um, in lots of major cities across the globe. Uh, we've been connected, Jennifer, um, primarily through Danae's, uh, Danae being the president of or director of the Surge Network. Um, you guys have sort of overlap, overlapped in our colleagues in the city to city world. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to welcome you and give you the opportunity to, this is our first time really meeting, interacting face-to-face, -face, so I wanted to give you the introduction to, or opportunity to introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you, Andrew and Danae, for this invitation. Really um, just grateful for the chance to talk about something I care a lot about, spiritual conversations, particularly in this pandemic context. So just a brief little bit about me. I'm the director of Missional Church at Redeemer City to City. Uh, and so that means I get the, the very, uh, for me, uh, great privilege of walking alongside, being friends, um, you know, thought partners with uh, pastors and planters in the New York City area, in the areas of mission, discipleship, and evangelism. So super fun for me. Uh, prior to this, I was on staff at the Redeemer family of churches for a number of years and also have been serving as a leader, a community group leader and other forms uh, with the Redeemer network of churches for, for many, many, many years, more than 14 years. And New York's been home for that length of time, though my husband and I have also spent time living in China in Tanzania, where we discipled, um, we taught, we trained, we worked with communities facing violence, HIV, AIDS, uh, among other challenges. So we've had a, a fun journey being in different places um, on mission together and have twin daughters who are six years old. So wow. that, that's, that's just a little bit about me, Andrew. What else can, what else do you want to chat about? That, that sounds like uh, a full life, full household. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I just want to, even as, as you kind of give that bio, I, as we, as we enter into a conversation about spiritual conversations, um, it really sounds like your, your history and your experience is not, not just talking about things, but actually mm -hmm. talking to people as we're mm -hmm. experiencing, um, all sorts of, all sorts of different crises, challenges. Um, yeah. And so, yes. so You've, you've certainly been in and continue to be in the trenches of ministry. And so we're not, we're not just talking about spiritual conversation, but no. uh, really sounds like you're living it. Yes. Yes. Which is the dream. And it's, and it's real, for me, it's real fun. And that's, I don't know. Uh, I, I, that's just an indicator for me that this is, this is a, a God thing where it's fun and you're in the place where he would have you be. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome that you, you derive so much, so much joy and calling. And yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for, I mean, it sounds like there are so many layers to, to your history and what's brought you here, but uh, as much as I'd love to get into that and um, hear lots of stories, I uh, want to open the floor to you and just, just lead us in, in a time talking about spiritual conversation in, in very unusual times. Yes, absolutely. So, just before I, I dive in, just a little bit about how this all got started. 
So my husband and I, we have hosted a group, uh, families group in, uh, you know, the Upper West Side of New York City for a number of years. And a few weeks into the stay at home orders uh, last March, some friends in our group asked for help in having spiritual conversations, which, again, uh, was just a joy and delight to my heart, because since the crisis hit, uh, I, you know, my husband and myself and these friends that I'm mentioning had been hearing questions that seemed like open doors into deeper conversations, Uh, questions like, how are you dealing with the stress? How do you cope? Uh, do you pray? Which was, uh, you know, that, that was a great question to, to get the juices flowing. How are you and your husband handling, you know, this crisis, being at home all the time with your kids and one another? So we are all noticing, experiencing this openness um, to deeper conversations than ever before. And the way my friends put it was, we're afraid of getting it wrong. We're afraid of messing up. Could you just give us some training, help us think about how to have spiritual conversations? And so it was, uh, as I said, pure joy for me to just put some things together, uh, which I'm going to walk through uh, with us during our time. I, I led a series of conversations on how to have spiritual conversations and then repurposed those, the basic elements of, of that um, initial training uh, into a number of different contexts. Um, so for pastors and planters in very different parts of the city. And it's been really um, an encouraging, beautiful thing to see how those initial trainings, um, what that has led to along the way. So that's just a little bit about how it all got started. I'm going to just try to share my screen to get us to get me into the practice mode for that. So looking clear. Looks great. All right. So my plan today uh, is to walk you through the training itself, which I split up into two parts. I'm going to highlight the basic ingredients, some of the key principles, kind of my starting posture in getting into this. And then I hope to share some stories uh, along the way of how it's played out, how people have responded, um, what kind of conversations have actually come through as a result. And then uh, hopefully at the end, I'd love to touch on Uh, this idea of cultivating an environment, particularly uh, in in the local church context, uh, an environment and ecosystem of outreach and mission. So uh, just real tactical up front, how I did the trainings, some of those ingredients and principles, and then moving on to um, kind of the broader uh, ecosystem uh, and culture of of mission. So that's the plan. Um, And my goal in all this is you know, if you leave, uh, you know, if you watch this and are, are listening to this and you leave a little bit inspired, maybe a, a little more convinced that helping people activate uh, and just take the first few steps towards a lifestyle of engaging in spiritual conversations with a heart for mission. If you feel that that is a little bit more doable after the time we spend together, praise God. Um, and if you're able to start um, trying some things and maybe even running with some of the tools introduced here and thinking about adapting them again, uh, that would be really fruitful in my eyes. So that is my hope. Andrew, does that sound okay? That sounds like a great plan. Okay. All right. So I'm going to walk you through, uh, I'm going to bounce in and out of my deck. um, So I don't feel like I'm just staring at my slides the whole time, (laughs) but I'm going to just walk you through uh, some of the basic elements. Um, Right off the bat, I want to say that the, the, my engagement in spiritual conversation is really grew out of a sense of the opportunity that we have 
that God has given us um, in light of the real challenges, the real pain and difficulty of the pandemic, and also um, all that has transpired, um, the cries for justice uh, post-George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. So uh, lamenting and grieving in all of that and also recognizing it as an opportunity um, to have these deeper conversations. And another kind of just starting point for me was um, this hope of giving busy professional people uh, non-professional Christians, um, non-professional evangelists, everyday people, um, giving them tools, handles to get started. So moving the needle from zero to one. And to introduce some really simple frameworks and tools along the way to help people get going. I really believe like this whole moving the needle from zero to one, giving light and easy tools, um, steeped in, in like real rich theology, but helping people get started was my posture here. And uh, a couple other things to note, prayer all along the way, um, everything begins, ends, bathed in prayer throughout. I really believed in practicing um, together with the folks um, in all of these trainings right on the Zoom, which is all we had at the time and, and still have. And then very much um, I, I, the posture in all of this was to provide a space for encouragement and a space for accountability going forward. And so I'll, I'll say more about that. So just to start with some very foundational truths um, to this, this the, the spirit of this here is um, ground us in truths of the scripture that what I have been told, what I've heard time and again, was just immensely freeing for people for whom the word evangelism, um, you know, makes you get sweaty palms um, and make, can make some people feel anxious, uh, nervous, afraid, and intimidated uh, that they don't have all the answers to all the toughest questions that there are out there. And so we began, I began these uh, series of trainings just reminding people of these three things. Jesus is our model, our guide, our fuel when it comes to mission. God is already at work in this work of, of spiritual conversations and evangelism. We're joining him in that. And that our true identity, our source of joy does not derive from us being successful in evangelism. Um, not at all, but in the finished work of Jesus. And so I, we don't take any of those things for granted. So just to walk through, again, those, those foundational truths, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, or in Eugene Peterson's um, translation in the message, uh, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And so just reminding people that he is our model. He drew near, he initiated. And how can we, um, in like manner, initiate, draw near to people? He is our guide uh, and he is our fuel, sharing our faith, caring enough about them to ask them the questions that really matter. Um, we do that only because we are deeply loved first. So that's kind of one of the core starting principles, uh, starting theological truths. Next, God is already at work. We're joining him in it. Here we get this uh, beautiful uh, verse in John 5. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he, on, he can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. So I just acknowledge up front that fear is like cripples us uh, when it comes to evangelism. It's an evangelism killer. And much of what drives our fear is that we're imposing 
we're unprepared, we'll say the wrong things. Um, there is certainly something that we'll say along the way about good practices, about thoughtfulness um, and sharing faith in theologically sound ways and winsome ways. But this stress um, that I put from the very beginning that there is such freedom in knowing the work of changing hearts is God's, not ours. We are the messengers. We bring the message um, in, in creative, in winsome ways, but uh, the work of transforming lives and hearts is up to him. So time and again, um, people, as we kind of wrestled with this truth, uh, people just put in the chat and commented about how freeing it was to begin from this orientation. And then finally, um, to what I alluded earlier, our identity is not in the fact that we're successful at evangelism or in mission. Uh, this verse, um, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this is Luke 10. The disciples have come back, uh, having been sent out two by two, casting out demons, healing, really beautiful things um, in, in, uh, in their mission. And they're high-fiving one another, and Jesus is saying, it, it, you know, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that's something that only he can do. Um, only he made possible. So again, this is just this like helping us to orient ourselves to a posture and um, <coughs> pardon me, a lifestyle of spiritual conversations is to just remember that our true identity uh, comes not from successful evangelism. And so uh, I would begin each training with um, theological, with biblical principles, just like these and uh, then, you know, to the point about introducing light and simple tools and that everything begins and ends and must be bathed in prayer, I simply introduce, there's many ways of doing this. This is the way I chose to do it. Introducing four quadrants, family, work, neighborhood, and recreation. So right then and there, I'd invite people to grab a sticky note or a notebook and jot down names of people in these areas of life for whom um, you are praying, uh, for whom you long to see uh, come to know Jesus. So people in your lives that do not know Jesus, um, write them down right then and there. And it, it's just a reminder for us um, that, again, this is a work of the Lord. And that prayer reminds us this work is far beyond us. We will uh, never outrun our dependence on God uh, in the area of evangelism and outreach, no less. And so this is just a, a way of just uh, for us to, to get real uh, and, and take the training out of the realm of abstraction and, and really personally. Who are the folks um, that we may apply some of the tools and the conversational um, frameworks that I'm going to introduce? Who are we going to apply these with? So that's, that's um, kind of the first tool that we introduce. And then I walk through uh, a very simple three-part frame, which um, I give credit um, and honor to uh, friend, mentor, Pastor uh, John Teeter at Fountain of Life Covenant Church in Los Angeles, borrowing from his book, The Power of the 72. So three steps. Um, and again, this really simple framework for people to begin again, uh, for people maybe who uh, thought a lot about evangelism when they were in college, uh, or maybe had been trained in different approaches to evangelism early on and needed some refreshing. But this was just a way for me to say, hey, this is the journey. This is a simple way to talk about the journey that we're on. Everything begins in friendship and prayer, at a real genuine relationship. And then we are moving our friendships in the power of the Lord, led by the Holy Spirit, from secular to spiritual, 
you can talk about it as moving friendships from worldly to spiritual or worldly to gospel. Um, that's another way to put it. And then the third step being to help our friends see Jesus. And then all in the context of community, really fundamental element of that, which we'll talk about more. But introduce this frame, give people a chance to think about it. And then um, just the, the stress on the community piece is really, again, part of that uh, starting posture and orientation around not all of us will be superstar evangelists, but we all have a role to play and uh, really encouraging people to lean on the, the full, the body of Christ for that. Some are, are gifted explainers, some are gifted apologists, some um, are just going to be so great at inviting hospitable people, warm people, life of the party people, and to, to really lean on one another um, in order to live this, this lifestyle of outreach and evangelism and to, to foster that ecosystem and culture that I'll talk about more. So three steps as, a, as an introductory frame. And then we actually would go back to the four quadrants and I'd invite people I'd set up a breakout time uh, on Zoom and just invite people to pick uh, someone that they, a name that they had written down in one of these areas and uh, to think about where they were in the three steps with that particular person. Are you beginning in friendship? Have you cultivated a friendship? Are you praying for them? If not, let's get started there. If you have been praying for them and have a you know real genuine relationship, are you ready to move uh, that friendship from uh, one where you kind of are quiet about your Christian um, identity to one where you just talk more freely about your your uh, your faith? So um, that that would be kind of just another way for people to again take this out of the realm of abstraction and really begin thinking about the real people in their lives and where they are in this journey um, towards helping our friends see Jesus. So that is uh, the quadrants and the steps again. Then just by way of um, uh, just helping people get some handles along the way, I you know, would introduce just these categories of relationships, three relational stages. So the connect stage where there might be a casual relationship, you're, you're at acquaintance level, you may then move into relating where there's a growing friendship, you get a little bit more personal. And then the sharing phase where you're wise and intentional about sharing Christ and helping people see Jesus. And so this was just a, a, a way of, again, helping people to consider um, where they are in their relationships and also where to invest uh, in this particular season. We may not, we will, we are limited finite human beings, uh, we're not going to be able to get to that share phase with every relationship, every, every person that we come across. And so kind of pausing here to say, hey, when you're praying through these areas, it may be that the soil is good, that the spirit is leading you towards um, one of these areas, be it work or family or neighborhood, uh, where you're really going to try to move to this share relational stage of wise and intentional sharing of Christ. So kind of just pausing to help people to identify a place of what we call sentness. Uh, where is the soil good? 
Where are you sensing the spirit leading you and inviting you to invest? So just um, helping people for whom having kind of just some sense of focus can be really um, actually uh, just freeing to know that they're, they're not expected and they're not um, able to invest so deeply in all the areas of their lives. So that's just another um, framework that I introduced to help people consider how to go forward. And then we would just talk about, um, if, let me go back to this uh, three-part frame for a second. So the friendship and prayer, step two, moving friendships from secular to spiritual. How do we do that? So introducing some tools to do that. Um, the power of asking good questions, listening, using our ears more than our mouths, and making use of questions like, what's your faith background? So we would, you know, just pause right here and just generate, uh, ask for some um, of people's favorite questions to help uh, get deeper in a conversation with someone. And uh, to, to add to that, I would introduce this tool around listening, uh, this conversational tool called the four H's, which our friends from the Kansas City Underground, I have borrowed this from them. So this is a tool, hopefully it's quite intuitive. And if these questions don't quite work for you, um, I, would, I would say this to the folks I was training, um, you know, let this just be a prompt for questions that you may find to be a little bit more authentic uh, where you are in your relationship. But four H's, history, tell me about your story or your family story. Heart, what do you love to do? What are you passionate about? What are you into? Hurt, uh, what would you change about your life or your family's life? and story and journey and hopes. Uh, what are the dreams that you have for yourself and your family? So 4-H is just a simple way to keep those things in mind as we're trying to move conversations from secular to spiritual. And what I found in training around this was people found it really helpful. I'm going to come out for a second. People found it really helpful to answer those questions for themselves and uh, just to keep those in mind, as well as just some other questions that have been handy in helping to break the ice and helping to move to spiritual, like uh, I asked earlier, like I showed earlier, do you have any kind of faith background? Um, a lot of people have found that help helpful. And, you know, as we ask people about, for example, their means of coping with pandemic and with all that has happened um, since March, um, uh, how is your particular coping strategy working out? How is it working for you? Having them really just share about um, what they're trying, what, what's, what they're leaning on to help them navigate these, these difficult times and getting a sense of like, how is that really working and encouraging them to go deeper? Um, so those are some of the, um, just the conversational listening tools that I introduced. And I, you know, I'll pause here also to, to share that as I've introduced this and just had people report back on how conversations have gone, it's just been really encouraging to hear that um, people have found it uh, just as a reminder, like one person noted, I had been friends with someone for two years and had never taken the time to find out more about their story, to find out more about, you know, the hurts in their lives. And having a tool like this um, was just a real good prompt to, to move deeper into conversation. And um, another uh, story, someone used, um, someone that I had the honor of getting to train in this, um, talked about just uh, being out fishing one day. 
um, in New York City uh, along the river and stopping to chat with a policeman and a police officer and um, just getting into a conversation far beyond what he would have expected where the police officer opened up about deep loneliness and retirement coming up soon and not sure where he would retire uh, because he was really longing for, um, he didn't use the word community, but just like real friends, real friendships, um, real relationships. And so um, just, just by way of reporting back uh, of how people have experienced using something as simple as four H's in opening up conversations um, that can give us an opportunity to cultivate those deeper relationships. So let me jump back into my slides. So that was the four H's. And then a couple more tips for moving from secular to spiritual. A lot of this is really intuitive for people, but it also helps to name um, these things. It can be helpful to provide these categories. So just talking about leading in our conversations, especially when we're getting into spiritual matters, leading with humility, leading with vulnerability, asking for permission to share about our own journeys, um, and, and, and just to uh, building on the four H's, finding a point of connection. And through that posture of humility, uh, again, just as a, as a stepping stone towards deeper conversation. So I think, you know, this, this is also a reminder of um, the breaking down of the more of like the hit and run kind of sales pitchy approach to evangelism, perhaps that some of us may have experienced uh, previously, you know, kind of lining up your strongest arguments or selling points without a real dialogue, without really respect for the other person, for where the other person is coming from. And so this just a reminder of the posture with which we go about um, having these conversations is really humility and vulnerability can really open doors and, and help build trust. And this final tip, uh, be ready to share stories of God at work in your life. And this was, um, this is just something that seems um, maybe for some a little challenging. So it definitely can take practice, uh, which is where that encouragement and accountability space in the local church can really come through. But be, uh, so beginning conversations, you know, getting to a stage where you might be comfortable saying, hey, it might sound crazy, but I have been praying, you know, throughout pandemic. These are the things that I've noticed. Um, it might sound crazy, but there was this time, you know, fill in the blank uh, of something that uh, an experience you had of God's faithfulness, of God's deliverance, of God's healing um, that uh, we invite people to ponder and then to begin thinking about sprinkling wisely um, into everyday conversation. So answered prayer overcoming addiction, um, transformed marriages, healed relationships. Those are all uh, examples of, of stories that uh, have been shared in the context of these particular trainings, but obviously not limited to that, but just in, in uh, the stories of how God has been at work. And I really appreciate this particular quote from Richard Peace, from this book called Holy Conversations. And if this was a training, I'd have someone read it, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Hopefully you're not tired of the sound of my voice yet. Evangelism often begins with our stories about God, how we experience God, how we were changed by God, how God met us in our need. Our stories say to others that God isn't just a distant idea. God is an immediate presence. As we tell stories from our spiritual journey, others start thinking about their experiences. We need to have available multiple personal stories of the aliveness of God, which we can draw on to pepper 
our conversation. So, uh, you know, pause to take a beat, just invite conversation, invite responses to that particular quote. And then again, most likely in the context of a breakout room, I would invite people to share stories of God. So again, these are muscles, conversational muscles, orientation to to living on mission muscles um, that we want to start exercising more. And so what are some stories of God at work in your life, big and small? You know, it could be, again, answered prayer. It could be your testimony. doesn't have to be limited to your testimony. So really things that you've noticed um, of, of God at work in your life. And so we'd invite people to share that. And no surprise to any of us, um, that often leads to really rich discussion and just a real energizing moment in, in this particular training where people talk about God alive at work in our lives right now not some distant idea. And so um, there's great energy um, that I've experienced as we begin to tell our stories of God. And then that wraps up kind of the first part of the training that I would do. And I would prepare, I would invite people to prepare for step three. Let me go back up here to that three-part frame. So step three of this journey was helping our friends to see Jesus. So what can we do? What are some, you know, exercises, warm-up exercises for us to get into that. And so I'd invite people between trainings to just um, go back to Jesus. What stories of Jesus are the most moving to you and why? Why do you follow Jesus? What makes the Christian faith compelling to you? This is really about our journey. And then introducing this concept of gospel bridges, um, uh, some introducing to some, um, for others, it will be more of a refresher. So this, this really kind of notion of going back to Jesus himself to fuel our fuel to mot- um, to just inspire us when it comes to spiritual conversation tapping back into Christ's love for us into our love for Jesus as a starting point for mission has been a, a really significant part of this training and just to the gospel bridge piece um, this is a real muscle um, to exercise beginning with our own journey uh, reflecting on what are the seeds that God has planted around us, possibly in culture, that really help bring the gospel to life for us, um, that really touch our hearts um, and, and not just our heads, heads and hearts. Um, so you 2 lyrics, um, the death of the passing of Kobe Bryant, um, uh, a particular television show, movies, um, musicals, uh, what are, have there been... Um, have there been places in our culture, in our world um, uh, that bridges that have really helped you grasp more fully the love of Jesus, the power of the message of grace? Um, and to just have invite people to think about that as a simple way to start, again, um, getting into this posture of looking for ways we can bridge the gospel to um, the people in our lives. Uh, for me, um, the you know this has been said many times before but from from the novel les miserables from the musical the movie les miserables uh the fact that um this this ex-con this man who was thrown in prison for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his sister's family gets hardened in prison uh gets released and upon release um you know falls upon the generosity uh, is welcomed by a generous bishop um, but, you know, in his hardness, uh, ends up stealing from this bishop and uh, in the middle of the night. And when the police bring him back to the bishop, he's caught red handed. The bishop um, 
says, Hey, you forgot, you forgot to take this stuff. I gave this to you. And that staggering, astonishing kind of moment of grace, um, that I just, uh, I mean, it never fails to bring tears to my eyes and just, um, is such a poignant reminder of the scandalous grace of Jesus. And so for me that when I tell that story, that really helps me kind of connect to the work of Jesus Christ. And so inviting people to, to take a moment to think about what that could look like for them um, is part of the homework uh, that I have set up, uh, for example, in part one of this training. So I'm going to stop there. Um, Andrew, I just want to see if you have, like, I don't want to keep talking. I, I will keep talking, but questions, comments along the way before I keep going. Yeah, thank you. I think that this think all that you've shared so far provides such a helpful and such a really a linear framework um, and a clear framework to something that to a lot of people can feel very abstract Mm. Um, and a couple of things that I'm picking up just to sort of reflect a little bit on what you're saying um, across all of all of these sort of steps and and like frames, grids to, to mm-hmm. think about these things. Really, it, it, what you're sharing has a lot less to do with what do we say and how do we say it and a lot more to do with who are we as followers, followers of Christ ourselves. And even that, mm-hmm. that example of Jean Valjean and Les Miserables, mm-hmm. um, like so we've got however many hundreds of pages following um, of his character's actions and his virtue and the way that he he develops, all stemming from this one poignant experience of, in in our language, an encounter with Christ. Yes. And, um, and I I guess, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 thinking about all of these things and uh, and so much so many of the conversations and so many of the ideas. Um, even if we don't really believe them in in a, an explicit verbal sense, I think a lot of us still carry these ideas about evangelism, that it's about what can I teach? Mm. What do I say? Um, mm. And really you've, uh, even, even your steps regarding starting those spiritual conversations are about how do I ask good questions? Mm. Um, how do I embody a posture of humility and vulnerability? Um, mm. And how do I share stories? Uh, and none of those things include our, our traditional, um, what we would call proselytizing or, or mm. convincing, strong, mm. strong arming. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I don't know how to, how to best frame this as a question, uh, Jennifer, but in in these times particularly and and perhaps this is where you're going so i don't want to go too far ahead of you but if if spiritual conversations and evangelism are rooted in us being certain kinds of people Mm. um and right now so much is being disrupted both as far as like pragmatically things around covid but also um, politically mm-hmm. and so so yes, on the surface, there's a disruption, but also at the same time there's there there are these new tensions, new barriers, new divisions um, 
I wonder, I, I, one of my first flinches is, okay, even if we, even if we could memorize this whole template and really embody it, there's so much that looks different now, um, mm. both between like this. So this, this grid of um, our family, our work, our neighborhood, our recreation, mm. all four of those things uh, for basically everyone in the world looks different than it did this time in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm wondering, and if you're, you uh, are getting to that later, but one thing I do want to pause and, and um, maybe explore more is how, what, everything that you've shared, how, what does that look like in, in uh, this sort of new world that we're living in? Great question. And a big, big one too. Uh, So I, there, there, yeah. So while not, I don't, I acknowledge um, massive disruption and uh, the way business as usual has changed. Um, I think when I hear that question, my first response is, and I'm, I'm trying to ask if, is this because I'm just generally a more optimistic person? I don't know. But my first response is actually, if anything, uh, COVID-19, um, the reckoning with injustice, that the moment that we're in, has made it, given me even more reason to reach out to family members and to colleagues and to uh, friends in the neighborhood who I may not get to, like, I can't go over to dinner, but there is, I mean, there, there is a, there is something happening at the level of texting, calling, zooming, uh, where when this all hit, it was, and continues to be a reason to check in on people, a reason to see, you know, how they're experiencing everything, everything. And particularly with the election coming up, it's so much on the minds and hearts of everyone I know. And so, um, Agreed, all those channel, all those areas in, in, in the quadrants for prayer have been disrupted. And yet my, my experience thus far has been it's, uh, it's opened it up. Like it's given me um, more room to, to, to help people go deeper. Um, now, I, I, it, it is challenging to forge new friendships and relationships. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that God has given me a lot of window to go deeper in existing relationships with, with co- particularly colleagues um, who are not Christ followers, not Christians, and um, just the conversations that we can have right now and the, the, the areas they're willing to go to. So Again, I don't know if that's just because I'm an optimistic person. Um, so I, I, I do recognize that things are, are really challenging. Uh, but that's just my immediate reaction uh, yeah. to, to that question. No, that's... Maybe that's there'll, be, there'll be some more along the way, I hope. Yeah, but, yeah. that's great. And it, and it was, was a sort of leading question. Um, it, it, your, your response reminds me, we, one of the first discussions that we had uh, in this sort of series, so we're going through a kind of like, we did uh, parenting in the pandemic. We've, we've done these, these different, like, given that there are changes, you know, how, how, how does that affect our different, different roles as individuals and different roles as, as Christians? Um, and your, what you shared reminded me, um, uh, a couple married, married couple, Caleb and Elisa Mitchell, uh, who are, are counselors in the, mm. the Phoenix area. Um, 
they led us through a series of parenting in the pandemic. And I, uh, I don't know if I asked her a similar question was asked of, yeah, there, this, there are lots of new challenges. Um, mm-hmm. And they similarly responded, yes, these cha- there are challenges, but amidst that there's a whole lot of opportunity. Um, and that opportunity really hasn't, um, I, I think that there are people, people pulling it in two different directions. Some that where, where the challenge is overwhelming and mm-hmm. distances, but really right. a lot of people, and we're, we're seeing that here locally with, with local pastors, um, families, leaders of all kinds, all shapes and sizes that, um, you know, this, this has been an opportunity to walk through doors that otherwise, or that until now have been shut. Yes. Yes. Well, Thank you for your grace in me, maybe not quite answering your question to your liking, but here we are. No, no, that's, that's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I think that's, that's very helpful. Okay. Well, I can keep going unless you want to dialogue more. Well, there'll be more room for conversation. So uh, just to give you a sense of part two um, of how I do this training, I continue uh, by adding, uh, you know, we kind of refresh what we said, that posture of the freedom that we have because we are joining God in what he's doing. We are not um, more loved, uh, better Christians for being successful in evangelism. Um, So to add to that, just that we are sent as Jesus has been sent, you know, that our authority for all of this uh, is, is not because of our skills, our gifts, our training, um, not because we're quick on our feet or good at storytelling, though those things are very helpful and practicing those can go a long way, but because our authority comes from the fact that we are sent by Jesus. And again, just reiterating, not all of us will be superstars in evangelism per se, but we all have a role to play. We have all been sent. And so just kind of assuming that identity as the sent ones um, is foundational. And then, uh, you know, not, not fun to talk about per se, but preparing for rejection, um, taking a moment just to reflect, confess, um, name our fears, uh, but also just our fears of being rejected. Um, there, there's time. I think that's that's a, a, a real thing to wrestle with um, in, in any time we're preparing people to, to engage in spiritual conversations. But Jesus himself was rejected. It's a bummer to say, um, but it's real. It's something we go through. We have to face this. But and that's where encouragement and accountability will come along the way. But I think there is, you know, I, I, I think it for me, it was really important to be upfront about um, the difficulties of this lifestyle. Um, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of, um, God meets us. There's, there's so much, uh, we're formed and met by God as we go on mission. It's hard. We make a lot of mistakes. Um, we can get really awkward and sometimes lonely and we may lose friendships and we may lose, um, people may look at us differently as we talk about God more, uh, but Jesus has asked us to do it. So let us prove faithful, but also be prepared about the cost um, and and the reality that there is rejection in, in store. But uh, you know, it, so that's just a, a, a big a part of um, the orientation that we must have. Then I, I recap those three steps, and uh, in part two, we really focus on this helping our friends see Jesus in the context of community. And I, I'm going to say something more about the community piece now. Um, Earlier, I said, you know, we're not meant to do this alone. We lean on the gifts of the full body of Christ. Um, Jesus sends his disciples out two by two. And just in my own, um, if I think at the very, a very micro level of my 
community of families um, that we've been uh, sharing life with over the last few years, just inviting um, the men and the women to get into pairs or triads, uh, threes, threes or fours, and having that be the basic unit, the, the kind of the most, the, the most intimate unit uh, for sharing, for accountability. And simply that that group of three or four, as they meet, uh, they're able to meet more regularly. Uh, they're able to reschedule things more easily at that number. And then having one of um, the focuses of their time together, simply always being, hey, who's someone we can be praying for in your life? Um, how are your spiritual conversations going? Just incorporating that one piece that keeps us um, keeps us reminded of our call um, to live on mission has proven really fruitful. And um, it's light and easy, uh, at least in my experience, to just uh, help uh, encourage people to set up in, in triads or quads um, and have them go ahead and meet on a rhythm that works for them. So that community piece um, in helping our friends see Jesus, in keeping us encouraged, in processing those painful, awkward, kind of maybe disastrous conversations we had, really critical in all of this. And then uh, to follow up on the homework, I had invited, you know, just getting people to talk about what moves the most about Jesus is, is kind of um, my favorite thing. Uh, as people get into breakouts and start talking about whether it's Jesus healing the woman who was bleeding on his way to Jairus's house, to healing Jairus's daughter, um, or him, uh, for me, it's like the breakfast on the beach um, come and have breakfast. Uh, the, the moments um, throughout scripture, you know, centered around food, around, hey, come away with me. Let's just, catch, let's just eat together. Um, th those have always moved my heart and why. And so as you kind of make space for people to reconnect with their first love of Jesus, um, there is something very, uh, I don't know, powerful and transforming in that moment of having that be part of what fuels us in, in this um, lifestyle of spiritual conversations. And then just getting people to, to talk about, hey, what, what are some of those bridges that bring the gospel to life for you? Um, is it Harry Potter? Is it Jean Valjean? Uh, whatever it is, getting people to talk about that in order to then think, you know, what are some of the what are some of the core concerns? What are some of the like the the hurts, the hopes um, of these people that I have been praying for, and how might I bridge um, something around us, uh, perhaps in culture, in literature, in music? How might I bridge? Um, could that could there be a tool there to bridge um, to Jesus, um, to bridge to the gospel, the message of the gospel? So um, that's kind of just a, a reporting back. This is a quote I throw in uh, from Alan Hirsch and Mark Nelson's book, Reformation, uh, going into people's lives, looking for the evidence, the signals of transcendence, the traces of God, where God is already at work, spot the clues of everyday love, of rage, of servanthood. And so just this uh, going into these relationships with our eyes open to where God is already work, where he has put eternity on people's hearts and, and spotting those clues and then finding ways, um, prayerfully looking for ways and opportunities to bridge uh, those clues, um, those signals that are already there with, um, <clears throat> with the good news of Jesus. So, um, you know, a couple exercises could be you know, think of one person in the quadrants that we've been praying over. Um, think about their core longings. Think about what would good news to be, what would good news be to them? You know, what is it that, what is it that they're trying to replace God with in their lives? 
how might you bridge that core concern to the gospel? So just getting into discussions like this, um, beginning with our own journeys, again, is, is just really powerful, really fruitful, really beautiful to see how people, um, the kind of the light bulbs go on and freedom, uh, again, to, to live on mission and courage and stamina for mission just comes from our reconnecting with Jesus um, and, and making bridges to the gospel. And this is the final framework. I know there's been a lot of frameworks here, um, but they, I hope they've also been fairly light and easy. But this final framework in terms of like steps to helping friends see Jesus drawn from Acts 17 um, from Paul and his time in Athens. So, uh, you know, from a context of friendship, building trust based on your common interests and values, affirming what you can of their spiritual beliefs and practices. So affirming what is good, starting with what is good, challenging the getting to the, this is the challenge, challenging whatever it is that has replaced God in their lives. Uh, And again, this is where that humility and vulnerability come in. Hey, I've done this too. I've tried to replace God with work. I've tried to replace God with approval. And so our journey in that really helps um, in this step three of challenging what we see others have replaced God with and then talking about what Jesus has done to rescue me reorient me towards God and then this critical piece inviting them to take a next step towards Jesus whatever that may be um you know just coming to coming to a brunch um with a bunch of other Christians and non-Christians in the mix um coming to surf um coming to a party uh, maybe getting into a group like a in intervarsity terms groups investigating God. Maybe if it's an alpha or alpha like experience, maybe it's something like that. But being ready to invite our friends to make, take a next step towards seeing Jesus is really part of um, that helping our friends to see Jesus peace. So uh, let me pop. Wow, time has flown. Um, I'm gonna come out for a moment. I do want to talk about, um, I said that if we had time, I really wanted to make time for this. Um, So I wanted to make time to talk about uh, just overall environment. So, you know, we've talked specifics around potential training, potential tools to introduce people to that you can mix and match and remix for your context. But uh, in terms of just some things that I am experiencing and seeing and want to encourage everyone around would be uh, in terms of cultivating a missional environment, an environment where people are living on mission, um, living in ways where they're, they're ready to sprinkle stories of God into everyday conversations. Yes. uh, Leadership matters and the, the life and practice of your leader, uh, your lead pastors, your lead, um, your core team matters a lot. Uh, you know, there's got to be modeling. Um, there's got, it helps. It sure does help when a lead pastor is modeling this sharing stories from their own lives, from their own kind of mishaps and um, lessons learned as they're engaging in spiritual conversations and inviting people to take a step towards Jesus, but also just, you know, cultivating an initial group of um, leaders who are going to really like live and model this and them sharing their stories. That's even more critical than kind of your, your lead planter doing that though. Those things need to go hand in hand, but uh, just, it's been helpful for me to think and, and, and just encourage people around an outreach team, or some people call it an evangelism team. Um, evangelism can, uh, the word itself uh, can hold a lot of baggage. And so for, for whom it's difficult. And so 
that's why along the way you've heard me say outreach, but just not a professionalized group, but uh, a group of people, everyday disciples, people who love Jesus, um, who are leaning into this and bringing them together to share their stories, um, to hold one another accountable, just to saying, hey, in between now and next month, um, how am I, how am I going to just raise the temperature on, on a lifestyle of outreach um, by a couple degrees. Like what's one conversation I hope to have? What's one person I want to pray for? What's one, um, uh, you know, what's one step I can invite someone to take to get to, to know Jesus a little bit better. So kind of just, just uh, cultivating kind of investing in a, in a small group of leaders up front who are going to do that and, and have the stories to share. Um, and just the, the stories, good, bad, and ugly to share is, is really critical in that um, culture, you know, like the language of quadrants, some of the groups that I've been able to train. I mean, that's just become part of the language uh, of like, uh, you know, are you who's in your quadrant? How is it going with with the people in your quadrants? Um, so lifting up the stories of spiritual conversations that have happened, no matter what the result, just the celebrating of the steps forward that zero to one, moving the needle. Um, so we know that culture is made up by stories shared, uh, language, celebrations, metrics. What are we celebrating? What are we counting? And so kind of shifting, maybe if for some of us in some contexts, shifting more towards stories of spiritual conversations and um, people invited and parties thrown um, as a way to kind of cultivate this overall missional ecosystem. And then just back to, you know, I, I keep I think I've been saying this community and accountability and encouragement piece a lot, but yeah, I'll say it again at the risk of beating a dead horse. Um, the community of believers, the full body of Christ is going to include people that are good at explaining things. Some people are great at service. Some people are great at raising kids. Um, and, and, uh, the the way that um, they're involved in their kids' lives um, is really missional. And so just leaning on uh, all the different gifts um, of the body of Christ uh, to cultivate this overall missional ecosystem um, are just things that I, I've been thinking about along the way as uh, this initial training grows and continues and deepens. And so just wanted to leave a few brief thoughts um, around the, the environment. So the leadership, cultivating some kind of team that's going to have the stories to share, thinking about the language, the celebrations, the stories, um, and then really leaning on the, the gifts of the full body of Christ um, as we cultivate this mission of, uh, cultivate this uh, environment of mission. So, wow, that was a lot of talking. That was great. Again, that I I um, I really appreciate the 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 practical approach that you have. The again, we're we're talking with someone that is clearly not just um, sharing ideas at this sort of vague, ethereal, or even theological level. Um, and while it is, of course biblical it's very on the ground what what do what do what does evangelism what do spiritual conversations look like for us in the day-to-day -day in real life and and andrew i you know i tried to share some stories along the way uh something fairly recently for me i you know i that question do you have any kind of faith background um just god just chooses to meet and surprise me as I asked that question, which I did not long ago, and a, a gentleman that I've been getting, I've been chatting with, he, I mean, completely just uh, 
complete shock to me in that when I asked that, he just poured out. He talked about how uh, he's uh, Jewish um, and yet not practicing, not part of a community, though he longs to be part of a community. But he said, I just, I've, I've gone, I can't deal with the hypocrisy. I would, I would go if, um, even if I didn't believe it all, because I want, I like, I yearn to belong to a group of people. Mm-hmm. I yearn for that, the rituals, um, the life uh, of, of like together, but I haven't been able to stomach the hypocrisy. And like, you know, it, it just, it was astounding to me that he went there like that wow. quickly. And, and so it's like, God is at work there. And, and how, how, like our conversations continue to be just like, rich and our, our one of our most recent conversations was around covid and what is it how do you preserve your humanity if you're an emergency room doctor and people are mm. dying uh in 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 staggering numbers um and how do you keep a soft heart and so again i'm like okay god wow like he's he's going there um how do you want me to lean into into this conversation so that's one of the most this is like just a couple of weeks ago right a couple blocks from where i live and so just the, 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 I just, I'm here to just report uh, the joy and the surprise of how God um, is at work in people's lives, me of little faith and uh, asking the right questions, listening well can really bring that out. So there. Yeah, that's, it's so cool that, that not only are you able to pursue and embody these things at a systematic training level, but that these examples of day-to-day life i mean that's that's your your fuel what what keeps you um keeps you going yeah so cool um i'm i really am tempted what i'm torn because i have i have a question that may open up a, a can of worms and so you know we don't have to go too far down this this rabbit hole but i'm really really struck by um and really encouraged by this idea of community that it that evangelism spiritual conversations all of these things are the role of a community and that we each have um like we're we're meant to be a body in unison some of us are hands and feet and Mm -hmm. mouths and eyes um Mm -hmm. with different giftings different contributions to the the sort of process if you will of evangelism Mm -hmm. um and yet um so this is uh, this is me continuing to play pessimist devil's advocate Mm. and yet i'm also struck by uh remembering jesus's words of a house divided or a kingdom kingdom divided amongst itself and how it can't stand and i think i think in certain in certain communities certain churches certain cities ecosystems whatever at every level there are these communities that really are embodying that that we are for one another and for ourselves we're we're a place of healing and we're a place of unity and we're a place of encouragement and from that we can live out this we we can be this city on a hill to to a world looking to a world in darkness looking for light right and at the same time, I think that there are lots of communities, churches right now that that aren't even these things that we're talking about for it for themselves, that mm-hmm. there's division and mm-hmm. uh, hatred and 
rather than curiosity, there's a preaching attitude of and trying to convince of here's why you're wrong, here's why I'm right, whether that's politically, theologically. Um, what do you what do you say to communities, whether it's an individual small group of people or an entire church or an entire nation, if you will? Um, I, yeah, again, a really big question, non-question, but how, how do you, or even how do, how do you, um, how do you for yourself um, adjust or even think about, think about these things um, in a context where, where division is, is the norm? Oh, gosh, Andrew. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is division uh, where there maybe some hardness of heart yeah um you know in our current kind of um tear everything down culture so i'm, I'm trying to just get, make sure i understand and buy myself some time as i think and, i'm, I'm, and I'm processing i'm processing myself too yeah because and and i wonder if i wonder if um so, so one, one of the things that, uh, one of the quotes that you shared from Alan Hirsch, uh, one particular phrase stood out to me of like, as we're listening, as we're inquiring, we, we spot, we look for these clues of both love and of rage. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I think that there is a lot of, a lot of outrage in lots of different domains, both inside and out of, outside of the church. And yet I don't, always see a similar curiosity for ourselves of where is that rage coming from my these inclinations to argue to defend my stance um i i in certain places yes in other places there seems to be a lack of even curiosity there Mm -hmm. Uh, for for one another for brothers and sisters in christ how do we how can we sit at the same table and have Mm -hmm. conversations and be curious about your rage and you you about mine oh so full transparency i don't know something this has been on my mind i don't know i'm just going to give it a shot it's been it's been helpful for me uh jude three project uh apologetics uh from a black perspective dr isa mccauley uh, mm-hmm. was a guest um, on a podcast uh, over the summer. Uh, you're smiling. You or Do you track with the podcast? Uh, well, no, we had we had Esau on for one of our series too. So we had the opportunity to talk with him. Oh, uh, that's awesome. I'll have to yeah. catch up on that. But, you know, he, he said something about how um, these are challenging times uh, and they can be exhausting times uh, for Black folk. And he talked about how uh, in in the engagement around justice, in the midst of the pain, um, the frustration, the heartache, the noise, um, it can really be kind of a sanity saving measure for Black people. He just said, begin with the question of, was the tomb empty on the third day? Like, begin with the question of Jesus, right? Did he, did Jesus rise again or not? Because if he did, that then helps us approach the Trayvon Martin, uh, the George Floyd, the Breonna Taylor. What do those deaths mean when when those things are happening and you're like so tempted to throw up your hands in despair? 
at the complicity, the silence of the church, at the division. Um, he, he, you know, he talks about our, our faith is a historical faith and we got to get first questions first. Um, and so I, I don't know, I've been, I, I've been thinking about that and how helpful that is in so many ways. Um, I, I can't say, I can't say I know what to say to those churches that are lacking curiosity about themselves. Uh, going back to Jesus is on my mind, beginning with the question of Jesus is on my mind. Uh, um, recalibrating to Jesus is on my mind, um, just going straight back up to the Gospels, reading them slowly, looking at Jesus' posture, looking at his priorities, checking them with our own is on my mind. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, and even, even to take, 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 take that idea as a principle and extrapolate it, I think effectively what that would be doing is what you said as like one of those first steps is where do we find common ground? Um, mm. What, what can we agree upon? Yeah. There's all of this tension internally, but if we, if we have a, a have, have a common baseline, have a starting point and know mm. like, yeah, here's, here's, here's what makes us brothers and sisters. And here's what, mm. um, regardless of what direction we shoot off on, shoot right. off on from there. Right. Um, I think that, that that's a really helpful and pastoral uh, mm. guideline that you offer. Go back to Jesus, go, go back to, and there will be disagreements there and there will be different experiences, interpretations, but what if we can find, yeah, some, some foundation at least. Mm. Mm. I think that's really helpful. That's, um, that's 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 what I got on that question no. for now. <laughs> that's great. Um, I'm trying to go through my own. I'm I'm like tape taking all of these copious notes to, um, and even just for the sake of sake of listeners, uh, recalibrating or re restating a couple of things that were helpful. I think I think that framework of um, history, heart, hurts, and hopes uh, mm-hmm. is is really really helpful and very easily memorable of okay where where do we start uh where do we start what kinds of questions can we ask um and i think that frankly there's there's uh there's a lot to be taken there for conversations with other believers with our own family our own absolutely yeah yeah i mean and in the train like again just uh what stories that have come back to me and to uh, my team, as we've introduced these things, just like, again, like how surprised people are, how deep uh, people are willing to go, like uh, strangers from strangers to like friends you've known for years um, that, again, I may, I shared earlier, um, just never having taken the time to ask for someone's story and or when you simply ask, um, like how quickly people will share things that they may never have shared and how quickly, uh, you know, one woman talked about how she had, she applied kind of the four H's with an agnostic friend of hers. And in the, in that conversation, the agnostic friend revealed something she'd never revealed to some, uh, anyone else before. And they agreed, wow, like sharing it kind of, um, diminish some of the power that that wow. you know secret held on her and and then from there just that this this agnostic woman then confessed to this the the woman that we had trained to say hey the smartest people i know are christian which is confounding to me uh which is baffling to me but 
I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. I I'd like what they have. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. if I don't have a real experience of God. And so, uh, so for this woman, she was like, I would never in a million years have expected her to say that. So just simple, like that, those are the things that are coming back as people try. That's incredible. That's that. Sorry. I I keep the more, the more you share, the more I'm like sort of spurred on. And so uh, if you'll allow, I'm just kind of continuing to, to pick your brain because that there's something there's there's something not not to not to downplay if anything to to amp up the importance and the relevance of what we're saying um there's something about all that you shared and the frameworks that at the same simultaneously feels obvious and foreign like it's mm-hmm. it seems so intuitive and yet it mm-hmm. seems like there's something so uncommon about it Hmm. Um, tell me what feels uncommon i guess i guess the fact the fact that we need the fact that this this discussion is so relevant and so important it kind of speaks for itself it's like Hmm. we need training on how to have these spiritual conversations and yet when it's given to us it's like oh i feel like that's sort of an uh should be an ideal or or even a a norm for what Mm. good healthy relationships look like right so that's that's the confusing part for me it's and I I feel that in myself too like yeah there's something that's so familiar and so yeah um so clearly biblical and so clearly um human but also something that feels really unnatural yeah Um, and I wonder you know this is a well-worn this is well-trod territory here but just does that speak to the way we have uh, outsourced mission the way we've professionalized it the way we've you know like to to all the um you know our friends in the mix Alan and and Michael Frost and all those guys um there's something to be said about uh just um you know, most of the men and women in my community, uh, they don't think of themselves as having much of a role to play when it comes to mission. Like you're inviting people to church, right? And so yeah. these are well, well, well treaded paths here. Um, but it does speak to that for me, which is like, of course, of course we should do this. Um, it's obvious. Why aren't we doing it? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And I think that that's some, some of, uh, both, the, the power of the work that you're doing and what what we as a search team and and our leaders are trying to do too is how do, how do we take something that's been outsourced to a missions team or to the paid pastors and return it right. to like no that's actually the mission of God's people that's what yes we're, that's what we're here for amen um so I, I I think even if anything in addition to really really practical steps having that reminder um, both for the laity, mm-hmm. put in quotes, but also for the people leading them, is this: this isn't the responsibility of um, this isn't the responsibility of the select few, a few gifted ones, your church. Um, mm-hmm. Nor is it something that requires a hyper specialized training either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, requires a curiosity, as you said, a humility, and yeah. and a and a compassionate desire for to see people led to Christ. 
Yeah, I I don't know if this will be encouraging to anyone, but I, you know, I'm not a, um, I didn't set about to make this a real uh, you know, top down, real heavy on the content. Like uh, my, my posture was light and easy, simple framework, simple yeah. tools, get started because I feel the bar is set to, it can be unhelpfully set high for how we're going to train around evangelism, but let's show that this, we can start, you know, you can, anyone can take this and run with it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there are risks, there are downsides to that, but for me, the upsides were worth it in, and let's, 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 let's get started. Uh, the opportunity is now let's move and let's not uh, at least coming from a very, um, you know, I believe in standards of excellence um, and, and good stewardship. And yet let's not have that be an excuse to do nothing or to like, we're just perfecting our content till kingdom come. So for whatever that's worth, I'm a, I'm yeah, that, that was my approach. Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely think you've accomplished that. And so I, I just want to extend my thanks uh, on behalf of, the Surge Network on behalf of our pastors and um, our everyone listening in uh, everyone that we lead. I think your your discipleship in this area um, really is going to have have permeating effects. Um, I'm sure, as you've seen on your side of the country too. Mm. Um, I, as as we close, I just wanted to ask if there are any um, books, resources. Oh, great speakers that you would point to for people looking to dive deeper and looking to, to um, explore more about what this looks like. Great question. Uh, so Dr. John Teeter, uh, the power of the 72, super helpful. Um, a book by, um, I believe he's a professor at Wheaton, uh, Rick Richardson, you found me and it's debunking some of the current prevailing myths around the state of Christianity and evangelism in this country and gives a lot of reasons for hope, but also very practical, very encouraging uh, around fostering a culture of, of witness and of mission. Um, so that's another one. I mentioned, you know, uh, just uh, friends at places like the Kansas City Underground and their tools, their like uh, missionary training, the the 4-Hs that came out of that. Um, there's some great tools on, on their uh, website. And, uh, you know, the this is a different flavor, uh, uh, but the Jude 3 Project, um, those podcasts uh, featuring Dr. Isam McCauley, very, um, very helpful. Uh, so those are some starting points. Um, I do think that the Alan Hirsch and Mark Nelson reframation book, particularly the final chapters uh, around, um, so kind of along those lines of like, look for those signals of transcendence, look for those clues um, uh, in in people's lives of where God is at work. Um, that, that has been very helpful as well. So those are some places to start. Um, I think, yeah, I'll, I'm happy to share more, but th- those are some of the ones that have been most formative for me recently. That's great. That's really helpful. Um, and then lastly, Jennifer, would you mind if I prayed for you as we close out? And- oh, please. Thank you. Well, Father, we thank you so much for um, for your opportunity to uh, that you brought up to, to bring Jennifer to encourage and teach and lead me uh, and the Surge Network. Um, we thank you, Lord, for the work that she's doing in uh, New York through city to city, but also, uh, as we've heard, just in her own circle, in her neighborhood, amongst her friends, her family, um, those around her, Lord. So we, we thank you, Lord, for um, 
Jennifer and uh, for, for many like her that are um, just beacons of light looking to share your gospel um, and in so doing, uh, reminding us all, Lord, that we, we have a common purpose and mission um, in, in being your voices and your hands and your feet in this world. And Lord, so I, I, I praise you for the work Jennifer is doing. I praise you for uh, the way that it is multiplying, um, that as she trains and as she reaches others, uh, they go out and do likewise. And so um, I know that there are uh, untold and countless fruits that have, uh, I'm sure, derived from her work. And so I just praise you, glorify you for that. Um, really praise you for for this opportunity. Um, yeah, thank you for this time. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Jennifer, thank you so much. It was uh, great to great to meet you. Great to learn from you. Great to be with you this morning. Thank you so much. All right. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see each other again sometime. Okay. Take care. Take care, Thanks, everybody. Bye.